0: me just talking about that relationship with the staff, it just makes me come alive. I just love that collaboration. And when I'm in that place, I can just see just how good this business can become and will become.
1: Welcome to Clearing Obstacles, the podcast for leaders and those that want to be. You know, it can be a lonely journey when you find yourself confronted by challenges in business. So get ready to take a journey with me as together, we'll hear the stories of real-life business owners and begin to unpack some common business challenges from real-life situations in a way that's both relatable and actionable for you. We bring to bear decades of entrepreneurial and coaching experience and a full toolbox of resources as we introduce you to those professionals who, like yourself of working hard to build a healthy business and a healthy team, but then we'll also share the way out of those struggles by clearing the obstacles at their origins, helping you get there from here. Welcome to the Clearing Obstacles podcast. In this episode, we talk with Adam Smolik, founder and owner of Entity Ecotherapy. Adam's a thoughtful, emotionally connected guy who, despite possessing a terrific toolkit for managing the emotional challenges that come with business ownership, well, he still finds himself struggling with the overload and the overwhelm that persists. In our conversation, we'll define the difference between those two, overload and overwhelm, and we'll dig into some solutions that are more tactical in nature so he can reduce both of those challenges with a few simple actions. And there's also a reference to the game of Tetris. Well, you want to know how those are connected? Then come along with us as we help to isolate sources and remedies of his business frustrations on this episode of the Clearing Obstacles podcast, where we help you get there from here. And welcome to the Clearing Obstacles podcast, where we help you get there from here. I have the distinct pleasure today of welcoming and revisiting a guest who I haven't spoken to in some time. Adam Smolik. Adam is the owner-manager of Entity Ecotherapy in Newstead, Victoria, Australia, he is uh, coming to us down under. So it's good afternoon here and good morning to you, sir. Adam, man, what a pleasure to reconnect with you again today.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Dan. It's it's an absolute pleasure. I think it's great timing, actually, because I, I think I really needed your help. So um, I think the universe has conspired to get us together again.
1: Yeah, she has a way of doing that, doesn't she? I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Let's uh, Let's jump right in. So I've said a little bit who you are. Entity ecotherapy, that is probably a phrase, a business model, not everybody would be particularly familiar with. You know, we've had landscapers and electricians and and, uh, aestheticians. We've had businesses that most folks are probably pretty familiar with what those business models are on the Clearing Obstacles podcast. Tell us a little bit about ecotherapy, specifically entity, and uh, uh, what you're about, who you serve, and maybe a little bit of history. Do you mind?
0: Yeah, definitely, Dan. Well, ecotherapy, it's a recognised therapy across the world these days. To go back a little way, I studied outdoor education and ecotourism at university about 20-odd years ago. So really, ecotherapy has its basis in outdoor education. So we all know, I suppose, particularly through COVID, where we it was really highlighted that we need that connection with nature as humans to be healthy and well so ecotherapy really is um, spending time in nature through activities or it could be through um, formal sort of counseling type activities based in nature really to really promote that health and well-being for people but it could be someone that could be experiencing some some mental health problems whether they've been depressed whether they've been suffering anxiety those sorts of ailments so if someone is struggling in themselves quite often that will mean they' they're really stuck in a problem but to go outside and actually start to actually um, go away from those problems and could be as simple as going for a walk um, breathing in nature sitting down where there is no nothing to do as such it's more along the lines of just being still, um, enjoying what's out there um, with someone else. And that normally is a support worker. That's our model is that we um, we use support workers uh, to, to facilitate that with the participants. That's great. So
1: participants being, you know, every, every business model has a different nomenclature for who they serve. It might be an audience. It might
0: be a customer or a client or whatever. You, you refer to yours as participants, yeah? Our main funding model is called the National Disability Insurance Scheme in Australia. That came out probably around six years ago in Australia where there was a big need to, to be able to give people with a disability choice and control of how they live their life. When we say a disability, it's very, very varied. So there would normally be or there has been in the past sort of a stereotype of what some of the disability is. For me, that was someone in a wheelchair. It could be someone with an intellectual disability. However, it is so different. We have people that have had a stroke. We've had people with um, dementia. There's. It could be someone that's had an accident. Uh, it could be someone that has any type of uh, anywhere on the spectrum of, of the autism spectrum. Um, so it's, or they could have a diagnosed mental health condition. So very varied, but importantly, they're all people just like you and I. So our nervous systems work the same way. And honestly, we all do better when we uh, when we get out into nature. I love the way you describe that. I can certainly relate to it. Um, uh, everybody struggles with their own
1: demons or challenges and yours truly no exception I, I think probably most of our listeners have had some way of relating to that and we just feel better you know you hear that term these days of forest bathing right the the, yeah. um, the concept of that and and how truly emotionally cleansing it is it just kind of resets the nervous system would you compare it to something like that
0: definitely Dan. our tagline is inspired by nature will help you grow so all too often All of us get stuck in our everyday life and we're basically, you know, we're sort of almost like a misfiring cylinder. What we do if we go on an ecotherapy holiday is we say, okay, we're going to go to an inspiring place, could be an inspiring mountain. So just that actual thought of, okay, oh, I'm going to go on an ecotherapy holiday. That in itself, just going there and saying, I don't have to do anything. And I just, I'm just going to go for a walk or go to a lookout basically is that I suppose it's that uh so I'm the essence of forest bathing where you're just there and you're being and you're letting nature do its, you know, do its therapy on you. So take just taking the time to do it is therapy in itself.
1: I love that. What an incredible business model. We all need more of that. <laughs> there should be there should be. I mean, I see the upside of potential for your business model to just be just be blue sky all the way. That's that's pretty incredible. Tell, Adam, you tell us a little bit about maybe the past couple of years? How long has Entity uh, been a going concern and uh, what's the status of the business today?
0: I did start it around 23 years ago when I was at university, when it was called Entity Educational Nature Tourism. Then it was more of a tourism business, an ecotourism business, and I stopped it after about five years. So around four years ago, I restarted it again. In its current form, the business has been going for four years. We started as just me providing support work for participants and then it's grown now. We've got, we've got 11 staff members. Wow. You have grown since we talked last. Good on you. Yeah. So we've gone from um, probably it's just me. Now we're on target this financial year to hit about half a million in turnover. Yeah. So the plan is that we will continue to grow. But importantly, we are taking all the work that we've done with done with yourself, Dan, through the coaching, and we've actually got uh, a, a system in, in systems implementation plan now. So um, the idea is we want to hire a coordinator this year, and that's probably my, I suppose, my clearing obstacles problem, which is from um, me going being that coordinator. And doing all the uh, the planning and the systems development, and as well as managing staff, uh, to a point where I no longer have to do that that coordination role.
1: Right. You've laid the groundwork perfectly for for the transition to to our format here and clearing obstacles. Right. Um. Again, the tagline help you get there from here. So we've established roughly where here is for entity eco uh, therapy and. And you start to lay the groundwork for what there is, where you where you're headed and, and where you want to go with this. So the first thing just being hiring a coordinator, having somebody take some of that work off of your plate. What other kind of ambition do you have for the company, say the next, I don't know, one to three years? What what's your vision here, Adam?
0: Yeah. Well, going back to the coaching work that we did together next, I think it's in August next year, the plan was that we would have 37 staff and that we would I be fully operational, fully systematised, which meaning that I didn't have to work in the business um, and it's a fully functional business without me but the and run by systems. So I think we are on target for that. Um, I've even booked the accommodation place that we talked about. Um, yeah, so I've um, booked that. Yeah, so that's that's on the go. So the idea is that we would be, with that, we would be turning over around $3 million and I'd be earning, it. I think it was, I said at the time, you know, I want a $200,000 income for myself. So we are on target. It's just, I suppose, like anything, I suppose, with e-myth coaching, we talked about um, any business coaching, especially um, self-coaching, is that it's really about me, the business owner and, and enjoying your life and enjoying the, the process. So for me, having teenage children, you know, my youngest is almost 15. Um, I want to make sure that I enjoy the next few years. So for me, if I'm not enjoying life most days, then um, then something's wrong. So I should be able to build this business and and really be enjoying my days. Um, so if I'm not and I'm too stressed, then I need to change something. I hear you.
1: What's that point in the map? What's the timeline for that? Um, You're describing uh, thirty-seven staff, three million in annual revenue, and two hundred k approximately for yourself in your own personal income. What's the what's the time frame for that, Adam?
0: So that'll be by August 2024. Um, yeah, and then um, yeah, you know, we will set new new goals, but basically what we've come up with is Michelle and I, my assistant operations manager, is that we'll put on five new support staff every three months and that will actually get us to our goal. So it's not not difficult. Um, It's just more along the lines of, um, I suppose, when you're wearing multiple hats, um, yeah, it's really just, I suppose, that having that feeling of, I suppose, calmness and just knowing what you have to do to get there and then um, implementing it uh, on a day-to-day basis and just uh, just living it, really.
1: Yeah, yeah. Say more about that. So let me ask a question this way. If you could isolate, if you could identify a specific obstacle that is in your way to getting to that August
0: 2024 date, how
1: would you identify that? Would you? How, could you put a name to that?
0: I think it's just a feeling of um, it's getting like I, it's probably not as bad as I, I've had it in the past. Just a feeling of overwhelmed, really. Um, so I, I've got a we've got a, group, a pretty good plan in order, but for me, if I feel overwhelmed, I have to stop. Um, I told Michelle the other day what I did was I basically. Sat on the couch, got warm, put on a good movie, had my computer there, and allowed myself just to say, okay, I'm just going to relax, and I did one thing. Once I'd done one thing, I'd cross that off. I'd say, oh, okay, I'm going to do another thing. Um, said, okay, well, there's only now. Um, that's what we'd like to, I suppose, teach in our business is that there is always now. So slow down, you know, press pause on the movie, play the movie, have another 10 minutes break. Because what I have learned through building this business and also through, say, four to five years of meditation practice is, is there. we've always got this moment, but it's really about our internal world. So if we can have the tools to keep us calm um, and be able to actually lean into our problems and be okay with that feeling of anxiety, um, then we we can really learn how to use our nervous system to our advantage. So um, our society often says, you know, you can't sit down there. You can't take a rest. And I say, I call bullshit on that. Um, and for me, if I'm overwhelmed like that, it's it's my body and mind saying, this is too much. Turn that movie on, go for a walk, go and chop some wood and just slow down until your nervous system is calm. And then you can, you've got better clarity.
1: You sound like a terrific leader for the kind of organization that you're trying to lead there, Adam, <laughs> just with that approach alone. I, I want to dig into this a little bit now because this is a, this is an important subject. and And I think you and I in the past have talked about this, the difference between overload and overwhelm. And, and I'll say a couple words, about it. I, I define the differences. Overload means there's too much on your plate. Overwhelm means your relationship to that overload is dysfunctional, right? The, the overwhelm means uh, there's an emotional impact uh, as a result of the overload. And those are different, right? One is a, is a tactical um, obstacle. One of those is, is a tactical challenge. That's the overload. The other is more of an emotional challenge. It's the relationship to the overload, right? Would you articulate it the same way? Do you see it the same way?
0: I think so. I think because I've been doing this for so long and, you know, I've had to, well, I've got to bring up three teenagers along the way, is that, uh, like a lot of business owners, I got very tired. You know, I got really tired. Um, and I suppose there is a lot of work that I have to do like when you say about overload, um, but then for me it's mainly overwhelm, which means I think I just can't articulate. You're sort of stuck in that feeling of anxiety. And that's where I actually do think there's probably a bit of both because there is a lot of work to do Um, and, and hence why I probably do get overwhelmed because there is a sheer amount of work. However, not all that work has to be done at once, so I prioritise those things. At the same time, I do know that I'll have to introduce new staff members to help me. So, um, yeah, so I think one thing that I keep pointing out to my staff is at the moment my main job is to fill up our current staff rosters and look after the current staff um, and the current participants. Um. before we grow too much more. Great. Right. That's what we say. We, we talk about
1: growth as as um, before you grow, make sure you've got uh, uh, functionality within the business. Otherwise, you just scale dysfunction, right? And that, <laughs> that doesn't do anybody any
0: favors. Yeah. Because I suppose I am a, a lot of people in this business. We're giving people and I've been inundated with people wanting jobs, wanting work. Um, to the point where as if we had our systems fully functioning, I could have 30 staff now, but we don't have the systems in place uh, to be able to cope with that because the more staff we put on, we need more coordination staff to implement that. So I think one thing I have learned is that is just to go slow and build the systems as we go. <laughs> So that's an audacious leap to go from uh, what do you say about a
1: half a million in revenue, what you're tracking right now, to three million in revenue. That's a, a huge leap to make. We have to sort of reverse engineer that and take take some baby steps. What's what's the best way to eat an elephant? Right, one bite at a time, as they say. And so, in, in order to get there, breaking this down into manageable uh, chunks. Uh, you know, I mean, a, a, a typical model is you make a yearly plan and you break that down into quarters, and then each of those quarters you can break down. Uh, into their respective months and weeks and so on and so on. And that eventually you're defining the day-to-day work of yourself and your team. uh, uh, Again, just a high-level kind of approach to strategic planning for that. So so walk us through a little bit what, say, the next six months is like. You're talking about getting more systems in place. I want to go upstream from that just a little bit, Adam, because getting more systems in place... uh, Everybody can nod their head in agreement on that. That that's um, essential to to um, building a functional business that serves your life. But those words can, well, they can fall flat when uh, it comes to defining what that work is to get the systems in place. So, Adam, if we were to to describe the essential. Uh, org structure of your company you're wearing a lot of hats you you are the the CEO president owner you do uh you're basically the CFO as well um you have some some of the higher level strategic positions you manage the support staff as well so you're wearing a lot of hats do you foresee some of those roles being filled in the short mid or long term of this strategy so we're basically we're basically talking a 16 month a little less than that, 14, 16 months out from now for that August 24 deadline. Tell me a little bit about how you uh, expect to fill out some of
0: those roles. Yeah. So, Michelle actually lives up on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland here in Australia. So, I went up recently um, with the idea that we wanted to print out basically all our systems, have it on the table, and come up with a systems implementation plan. So, we've done that. Um, so, I actually said I want a coordinator in place by the end of the financial year, by June 30. We revised that and said, "Okay, we want uh, a support uh, coordination system finished, ready to train someone by the end of July, June." Um, okay, move yeah. that goal line up. Yeah, so that will be great. So, what that will allow me to do is that what we have discovered is um, we. Basically, have caught up with our employee development meetings um, because we have got that those ten support staff to do the job properly. Um, we came up with a well a system within those EDMs, and it was really about um, which we still operate everything off the Google Drive. Is that we have a color coded system, so the actions that AI might need to take as the coordinator, the support worker um a support coordinator from another organization. Um, so what we've found there is that is a full-time job. So uh, I'm finding that, you know there's a lot quite a lot of time that needs to be taken to do to really deliver our brand promise. We have got that system in place. so we we've set some deadlines to finish that operations manual. So then we can actually then say, okay, what are our financial targets that we have to hit to employ a participant coordinator?
1: Okay. So that next role that you're looking to hire is a participant coordinator.
0: Yes. Yep.
1: Okay. And how's that different from the support coordinator that Michelle is currently occupying?
0: It's a bit confusing. So Michelle is like our assistant operations manager. With support coordinators, they're people from partner agencies. And they're employed to basically hire companies like ourselves to support those participants. So they're not they're not our they're not our employees. They're our partners. So that coordinator position was sort of crucial. It's crucial to move forward so that um, I can then step back from that and. Um, Focus on more of the strategic
1: strategic roles. Great. So let me make sure I'm understanding this. So, so the participant coordinator, the these partnerships that you have, they're they're basically funneling the participants or the customers, to use the kind of generic term there. They're funneling the participants your way, and
0: you you partner with multiple agencies that that bring you those folks. Yeah, that's right. And but what we do need to do is we need to have uh, consistent communication with them so that they're on the same, uh, so everyone's got an understanding of what, what we're doing to help that participant meet their goals. Got it. Got it. So that especially
1: important at scale. You could probably communicate with them you know, as one-offs when, when you're limited in size, but as you begin to scale, you really have to have a dedicated professional for that, yeah? That's right. Look, man, you're describing a plan that seems to make pretty good logical sense here. What's the problem?
0: I think for me, it's just I think it's just a feeling it's just feeling good, not feeling stressed about it. Like I, know, I know what I need to do, but because there is such a big workload, um, it's really about prioritizing and I suppose going back to the first step of EmIs coaching was really getting your own house in order. So for me, that means taking care of myself. Like I do, I go for a walk every morning. I do my meditation every morning. Um, So for me, it's just, I suppose having the time or even uh, feeling, feeling confident that things are happening. Great.
1: I love the way you put that. How can you tell when things are happening? What informs that?
0: Oh, for me, it's it's, it's results. So um, Michelle and I have got, a, we've got a timeline for the systems implementation. And um, like I did some work on our intake process um, a few days ago. Um, what has happened is some of my staff members have gone on holidays. So I've filled in for them for a couple of days. So it's almost like how can I describe it? I need to. I've basically said to myself, right, I am stopping growth right now, and I am focusing on current staff members. So for me, it's really about um, simplifying everything and saying, okay, these are my the top priorities. This will allow us to get to be confident that our current staff have got the right amount of hours. Um, they're happy. The participants are happy. And then for me, as, as that progresses, I have more time and more headspace to then implement these systems development plans. You keep
1: explaining how well things are functioning. Where are you stuck?
0: I think I'm just stuck in, I want it to happen now. <laughs> yeah. Growth.
1: I was just having this conversation with, with a client today. Growth is never linear, ever, right? Look at look at, I mean, look at any stock market chart, you're gonna see it. Now, over the long arc of it, growth happens, but it's it's nothing but a series of ups and downs. It's two steps forward and one back. And as long as that's the pace you're keeping, you're gradually growing one step at a time, right? Two two forward, one back. And so giving yourself giving yourself a plan that is realistic is number one, that is clear with timelines and and all of those steps. That's number two. And three, the flexibility or the agility to pivot when things go sideways, because what we know is they will. At some point, you're going to have somebody quit. You're going to have a a dip in the economy. You're going to have, there's any number of things that are going to come up. And so it's got to also be flexible and agile enough that you can modify it on the go. So If you have something like that, do you feel like that would be that would provide a reduction of the stress level that you're that you feel that look in some ways? Maybe you don't agree that you're putting
0: on yourself. Yeah, I think for me, because I I don't know, I've got a pretty active imagination, and I think I want to achieve this in this business, and I want to attach this charity to this business, those sorts of things. But for me. I can be my own worst enemy in that regard so I have to say okay slow everything down and really just focus on what I need what I know I need to do I think there's a pattern with myself where I'll um, when I get really uncomfortable and I'm forced to do things that's when the business grows the
1: most these are the baby steps that we were talking about about the reverse engineering of the the yearly plan into quarters and quarters into months and so on so if you were to flow chart this out Essentially, you need a hiring system, something that will allow you to, because that's a pretty audacious plan to get five, what did you say, Um, five employees, five new employees every three months, every quarter. That's pretty ambitious, but not that ambitious if you've got a bulletproof system, a good hiring system. And then subsequent to that, an onboarding system to now bring these people on board in a way that aligns, right? You're training them right out of the gate. You're training them the right way, uh, efficiently, effectively, brand aligned, et cetera. So we've got a hiring system and an onboarding system. Those would be the first two. And what we'd like to what we'd like to advocate for, for sure, is whatever order that that would unfold in, like as I'm saying, first we recruit, then we hire, then we onboard, then we place them into service. Okay, so those four steps, we like to typically advocate we design our systems in reverse order. Otherwise, you're always playing catch-up, right? So if if you, let's go to the other end of that, of that spectrum of that delivery. Do you feel like your systems are pretty well buttoned up with the team you currently have? You have 10 service providers. Do you have pretty well-documented systems for the work that's expected of them? Position agreements,
0: processes, protocols, SOPs? We do. But like, it's functional. However, we are – one of our systems plans is our um, support worker operations manual. So because I suppose in this industry, and especially with ecotherapy, where we want it to be is um, there'll be other things that we implement. But for the, the basics, they say the, the 80% – of what we do like the, the basics of that operation like in terms of safety management logistics all that sort of stuff yeah that's in place but we have got a plan to basically finish that i could tell you that i've got a document i think the operation ones will be by the end of the financial year
1: fantastic that's great pretty well buttoned up let me ask about this um i don't want to go off off the rails here on this question but Do you have a mechanism in place where your support workers can modify or basically resolve issues with the systems that you currently have for those fringe cases? I love the way you described it. 80% of the work that needs to be done is documented in an operations delivery manual. That's fantastic. So for the 20% of those fringe cases or within that 80%, that is maybe occasionally inefficient or incomplete or not clear. Is there a mechanism for your support workers to... Make suggestions or modify. Are they living documents somewhere where people can go in and make edit suggestions, and then maybe somebody, you or Michelle, approve them?
0: We do have the EDMs like every fortnight. So I'm meeting with two staff members this afternoon. So on those EDMs, there's a part there about you know suggested improvements that sort of thing. What we are going to do one an idea I did think of because I keep going back to think well. I don't have – I have a thought that I don't want to do this myself. I think I can hand that over to um, – I can use – or not use, but work together with the support workers and Michelle for us to do it together.
1: The operations manual?
0: Yeah. So it can say for the, the support work operations manual for us to do an online – some online workshops –
1: For the sake of being precise about what we're talking about here, we're just talking about the operational side of your business. Of course, there are other disciplines within the business that we're not talking about here. We're not talking about the marketing. We're not talking about the finance, uh, some of the other stuff. We're specifically talking about getting the operations functional. So for the sake of let's just to keep track here. We need a recruiting system, we need a hiring system, an onboarding system, and then an operations system for the fulfillment of the the goods that we sold or the services that we've sold. So those four, let's just isolate it to those four. Again, like I said, we deliver them in that order, but we design them in reverse. So we're not always playing catch up. So you're about 80% done on that operations manual. And it sounds like you have a pretty good functional mechanism for improvements and modifications to that.
0: Yeah, definitely. We have, uh, yeah, one thing when we did the planning only two weeks ago is that we said, okay, we're going to revise each um, manual. Once it's done, we're going to revise that every three months. So we'll have a system where when we do get, uh, when staff members say, look, I think this could be an improvement, okay, we we put that into a folder and that's um, our improvements folder and then when we meet every three months to continue that never-ending improvement, we add to the system. Great. How long does
1: it take to make those modifications and improvements to every quarter? How long does it take? Is it a day? Is that two days work? Is that a week?
0: I would only think, because I don't think there'd be big improvements. I think it, if it's just an addition to a SOP or something like that, it would only take you know a day. There could be some bigger improvements, like we're looking for like um, Shift software. As well into the future so that could be a bigger systems um operation so there but i think those small improvements are not they don't take much time great the reason i'm asking is
1: these plans as well-intentioned as they are require resources specifically time money and people in general i'm sure other other things but but uh, energetically there's resources expended but Time, people, and money are the, the the three primary resources that are going to be required for every quarter for you to update and revise and improve upon the operations manual. So if we were doing work together on a client call right now, Adam, I, I would say pull up your calendar right now and isolate two or three days where you can dedicate to those revisions. And now there's a placeholder for that. And, and it won't come as a surprise when it's time for you to make those revisions. And then, while you're at it, you might as well put a, a placeholder on your calendar about two weeks before that. All modifications from team are due by that date. And so, this is that reverse engineering process when it comes to time and and money and people resources. So you've it doesn't catch you by surprise. That's usually where that overwhelm comes in that we were talking about earlier. It's if everything unfolded as we expected it to, we wouldn't be overloaded and overwhelmed more than likely but it doesn't work that way. The surprises come up. You go, oh God, that's right. Our our ambition has us on track to revise this ops manual every quarter or improve it every quarter. If you've got a, a pin in the map, if you will, for that activity, it won't catch you by surprise and, and you will budget other things accordingly, right? You probably also are going to be doing a financial review and a, and a marketing evaluation every quarter as well. I, I would say, while well, you got your calendar out, what are your commitments to your financial and your marketing review as well? Let's get that on the calendar too. And very quickly, you're going to start to see that calendar fill up. And this is where you can start to get into logistics too. And you could color code that calendar. Okay, yes, that's going to take three days, but it's only going to take one day for Adam, You know, for you. You're, most of that work is going to be done by Michelle or another marketing coordinator of some kind. Now you can start to assign and delegate some of the the time that's going to be required for those act activities and now that's just the if we're keeping track here we've got four subsystems essentially that would be prioritized for you that's just the operations let's back up a step now if if, if you don't mind what's what comes right before that sequentially is onboarding onboarding the team right so recruiting hiring onboarding and delivery of services. So you got your operations manual, at least, you know, it's under control. It's 80% complete. And you've got a pin in the map for when you're, gonna, when you're going to um, revise that and improve that. Okay, let's go back up a step now. So onboarding, how's your onboarding?
0: It's pretty good. The system works. Michelle's putting that system into a more presentable format. She's putting that into almost like a, a PowerPoint presentation in terms of where we can just click go on the day and take all our staff. So that could be through Zoom or it could be in person. So that that's at a good, a good place at the moment.
1: So what, what percentage, if you hired five people, five brand new people tomorrow, uh, I'm not advocating that you do, if you were to hire five people tomorrow, what percentage of the way done is that onboarding system? Let's just put a number to it. It's good to quantify that because pretty good isn't really good at quantifying. Let's put a number to it. I'd say at 85%. Okay. What would it take to close the gap on that last 15%?
0: It's really just about Michelle and I basically going through the system um, from the first step to the last step and having it in a format that we're happy with, and then it's ready to go. Do kind of a dry run.
1: Yep. Yeah. Okay. So time requirement for that would be? Oh, I think we could get that done a couple of days. Great. If yep. you have your calendar still open, I would recommend <laughs> that you, right? Put, put a timeline in there. And again, this is movable. It doesn't mean, but what we're doing is we're saying, like, you can move that around. It doesn't have to be Tuesday and Wednesday of next week, but you know, it's going to be two days. So Kind of going through a block calendar type of approach that might be a great opportunity to identify a couple of days or whatever it's going to take to close the gap on that last 15 percent of the onboarding system see what we're doing here so we've got a, a timeline for for finishing and or revising the ops manual that fourth of the subsystems the third of the four subsystems is the onboarding that's also about 85 percent done that's going to take a couple of days to tie that tie a bow on that and finish that up we can back up a step and say all right what's the hiring system that we're going to use again you said you've got an abundance of candidates for um for hiring so that's fantastic i mean it's i think you're very unique in that industry right now we're seeing pretty much every other industry struggle right now to find qualified employees who show up for the interviews so <laughs> you've got a leg up on that but again kind of backing our way to that beginning step of the recruiting so for hiring what's What's that system look like? And and how would you define
0: the hiring system? What's that about? Well, I suppose it's really just having a platform, I suppose, like wherever, you know, whatever platform or media you use to say to the world, we're hiring. Um, yeah. So for us, basically every person that I've hired has been through word of mouth, um, People contacting me, um, you know, connections really. So at the moment, um, you know, we have got our we have got a an employer section on the website. Um, we probably don't need a lot more in terms of where we put it out there. Um, social media is is a big one. Um, um, so. Between the, between the website and our social media, I actually think that's enough in terms of putting it out there into the marketplace. Okay,
1: so you you kind of conflate the recruiting and the hiring systems together, and that, there's no right or wrong there as far as I'm concerned, anyway. If if they if they fit seamlessly together, fine, call it one kind of one comprehensive system. So you're recruiting and hiring, you kind of conflate those and 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 bundle them together. Yeah, how complete is that? as a system let's put a number to that
0: i would say around talking about 70 percent
1: now you're eyeballing that and and so i'm going to press in on this a little bit do you have that as a project basically saying like almost like a table of contents our hiring system again if you're going to assemble this as a as a manual for hiring um and you writing out a table of contents you've got 26 different steps for hiring an employee um, I'm pulling that number out of nowhere of tw- of those 26 um, how many of the um, first of all have you identified what each of those steps are so do you have a table of contents for your hiring system let me let me phrase it that way there yeah, we do great so how many of those have a tick mark next to them of, of complete
0: that would be I think that what would have to happen then is for, is for me to, to go in there and it is on our list of systems to develop or to finish. Yeah. So I probably couldn't tell you right off the top of my head, but um, yeah. Adam, right
1: now, I'm going to give kind of my high level view on this and, and you tell me what you think of it. To me, the the biggest obstacle that you, Adam Smolik, face for Entity Ecotherapy is having a clear lay of the land of where you're currently at and what's still needed to get you to that August 2024 timeline right and and it almost seems like a a gantt chart or a calendar or some kind of a a clear timeline to roughly and then and then incrementally you get more specific to roughly lay that out and being generous with yourself, of course, for the time, for the for the things that are going to come up and and sort of derail it, or again, all of those obstacles that just have a way of showing up for us. It seems like what might be most useful for you is to, again, just take inventory, where you're at right now, what you have. That's kind of what we've been doing. As far as your operations manual is, is concerned, we were establishing where you're at right now. It's about 85% done. You're onboarding system is also about 85% done. And we're not sure on the hiring and recruiting system. You still need to take an assessment of that. Once you have that laid out, man, now you you have been able to specify, that's your shopping list. You know what I mean? That's the to-do list. Now the work is that's in front of you is clear. And you can't place that on the calendar. You can't actually budget for that, if you will, a time forecast. You can't do that until you know what is on the list. So the first step almost feels like making a list of of what's missing from each of those at this point. Now, three respective systems, your operations manual, your onboarding manual, and your hiring manual. What are your thoughts
0: about that? Totally agree.
1: Look, I'm going to really oversimplify here. It's time to play Tetris.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? You've got all of the shapes. Now it's time to make sure they all fit um, accordingly with the resources you have available to you. It's gotta fit in terms of your capacity for time. It's gotta fit in terms of your capacity for money. And you've gotta have the people available to do each of those different tasks to complete those systems. So we're really looking at, we're really looking at Tetris at this point, making it all fit, assigning the resources needed To get each of those done based on their priority. Fortunately, we have those, right? We have a calendar, we have a financial forecast, and we have an employee roster or position agreements basically outlining what everybody is responsible for. So you can fit those, you can fit those, right? As far as estimated time needed with buffers. Be very conservative on uh what you're promising yourself or your team. And under-promise and over-deliver to yourself as well, right? Giving yourself enough room, enough margin to be able to lay this plan out. And look, most of what causes anxiety in us is the not knowing. And the more order you can put to this plan, um, and I like to use the word order, not control, because control is a fabrication. We never really have it. We may have order and it gives us at least some feeling of control, right? Right. And so, placing those in an order so that you have a clearer picture of what the requirements are going to be of you and your resources—your time, energy, money, and people. So, if they've if they've got a parking place, right? You've taken inventory of what's left and and, and the work that's still needing needing to be done. Then finding a place to park those uh, according to the resources available would that alleviate some of that anxiety or
0: overwhelm as far as this plan goes yeah i think it does and for me i work best when i say okay this is the plan so for me to sit there and say okay i'm I'm, at the moment we're focusing on finishing the intake system the system manual so that's almost done so that's, that's sort of progressing in the right right direction. So, yes, yeah, so I, I find for me, it's just, um, as you said, uh, under promise and over deliver. That's probably something that uh, I probably struggle with a little bit, getting that balance. However, I know when I'm in the flow, it's when I really just identify actions with it that I need to take, and I'll just start to do them. Exactly right.
1: Nothing inherently wrong with audacious goals. You just have also have to be realistic and cut yourself some slack when you're not able to get there. And your team, right? And, I, and I, that brings us to a really important point. As much of this that you can delegate to other competent professionals, if you've got any of the support workers on your team who can engage in any of this work, who can write the processes, or when they're out in the field, I'm not sure how much free time or available time they have when you're when they're out in the field with the participants but if they've got the opportunity to just an an hour over in a 24 hour outing, if they've got an hour available during that time or more I don't know if there's any way to delegate some of that if one of your next hires actually needs to be not a support worker, but it needs to be somebody to help create these systems or even create the schedule, for everybody to participate in these systems, that, that, right? Some of this can be delegated and it can also be done on the fly. So if you've got the bones of a of a suitable hiring system and it's brand, brand aligned and, and you know you're putting the right foot forward in, in the first tranche of people that you're going to hire, say that first three to five people that you're going to hire, you can work out the kinks in real time too if you're really pressed for
0: it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And part of me thinks, because Michelle is employed full-time, is that um, I've even thought of throwing it over to her. We've got the bones there. She's more of a detailed person. So I'd almost be inclined that I would like to try for her to finish off a system and then for me to come in and let's edit it together. I think that's something I will talk to her about today is to say, look, let's try this you know, let's go through these systems. Now I want you to actually, you know, let's say you finish one off and then I'll look at it and say, yep, that works or we need to include that. Um, So I think for me, that's freeing for me. And it doesn't mean I don't have to, what I have, the more I do the consistently we do our EDMs, the better the relationship is with our um, staff members it actually increases revenue because they've got, you know, they're talking to the participants. They say, well, I want to go and do this. What it also does, they'll come up with an idea and say, look, why don't we do it this way? Um, And then we get the opportunity to talk to them and say, look, this is what an organization we want to be. We want to collaborate with you guys.
1: I so respect that. Two things that I've always respected about you in particular, which, and there are many, but one is your prioritization of your own care, understanding that you can't pour from an empty cup. And Adam, you're just, I love that you are making sure you're taking care of yourself and that as a leader, you have the, the emotional grounding to give yourself uh, what you need in order to effectively lead the organization and still maintain a lifestyle that um, and by lifestyle, I mean peace of mind and and joy that you can bring to it, right? You're leading by example, you're helping your team and the participants all also understand that that's one of your core values. And the second one is you're all about relationships, man. I, I just dig that. You've you make sure that your team are clear on what they need to do. Again, prioritizing those employee development meetings and having regular conversations with them. And um, I think you can leverage both of those. To your benefit when it comes to this obstacle that we were identifying today and 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 laying out what needs to be done and then finding a way to get that done that that still suits the quality of life that you need to have and empowers your team to support you in doing that work, right? You can leverage both of those profound strengths that you have to identify the work and then get the work done because uh, you already excel
0: at that. Thank you, mate. Well, I think me just talking about that relationship with the staff, it just makes me come alive. I just love that collaboration. And when I'm in that place, I can just see just how good this business can become and will become. Thank you, Dan. And if I had this this coaching consulting gig
1: ever uh doesn't work for me, I, I have a feeling I know I know where I'm headed, Newstead. Thank you, mate. It's, it'd be uh, it'd be plenty of work and trap to catch. All right, so any of our listeners out there, if you're interested in that and mm. uh, can you know get a work visa in Australia, we've got we've got <laughs> you covered. Adam's needing some qualified brand-aligned folks there to help him with some really <laughs> outstanding work. Adam, again, as always, it's such a pleasure to work with you and to talk with you. And I'm I'm just privileged that you decided to to participate in this today. So thank you very much for your time.
0: I hope it was useful. Uh, Likewise, it was very beneficial, Dan. Um, It's just great to reconnect.
1: Outstanding. Well, we thank you very much for joining us and um, joining us on the Clearing Obstacles podcast. We thank you for your continued loyalty and for listening. We'll catch you on the next
0: one. Thank you, Dan.
1: We hope you've gotten the value you were looking for on today's episode. And if you want more like this, please subscribe to the Clearing Obstacles podcast on your favorite listening platform. You can go to clearingobstacles.com for more information. And there you'll find links to other episodes as well as how you can get in touch with us to set up your own customized coaching experience on a regular basis to clear your own obstacles. Your business should serve your life. So let us help you get there from here, because nobody should do this on their own. We also want to thank you for listening, and gratefully acknowledge everyone who helped make this podcast possible. And a special thanks to our supreme assistant and navigator, Noah Wertheiser, to Arctic E for the brilliant musical themes of Clearing Obstacles, and to the team at Hivecast for your amazing work and legendary patience.